are you here? You know, the same. Yeah. I'm achy because I went to the gym, but other than that, the same. I'm achy because I'm old. So I mean, we're that fine. also the same. <laughs> and and you know, it's it's I, I not to not to TMI, but it's also been that time of the month for about a month. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm achy in many ways. Um, but we hope nobody else is achy. We hope everybody's doing well. Yeah. We hope everybody's gotten their holiday ho- shopping done. Yeah. Because we haven't. I got some stuff done. Oh, I know. Kind I of. <laughs> you did. You did. But we can't talk about it on here because the Mm-mm. person that edits this. No. Can't know. Can't yeah. know. We can't, t- we can't tell Elliot about the matching underwear that you guys are getting. I got us matching underwear for our anniversary one year. Oh, me on these. You did. That's right. We're That's not what sponsored. I was We're not sponsored but... now. <laughs> I but wish. We'd like to be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, I don't so, really know what to, I'm, I'm not Haley knows. I'm in rare form today. Um, yeah. Cat problems. Cat, cat problems. Felix is fine. Memes is fine. It, they're just really wilding out. And I'm, yeah. I've had about enough of this. It's like having children. I'm um, just hoping that it doesn't rub off on my perfect yes. little angel. Yes, that they don't teach fe- that they don't teach Bean a thing or two. Yeah, I don't think he will. I no, I think he's, he's a good, good egg. Boy. Yes, yeah. he's a good boy. And and yeah, just I don't know. Like take your cats to the vet, and if they have to go on, I don't know, uh, Prozac, like mine may or may not have to. <laughs> um, get do that. Like, There's no get shame. Like kitty CBD or something. Get, no, tell them to chill the fuck out. Girl, I've got him everything. You know this. I've just. I oh. know. Yes, but that's not. That's not. Th- that's a different podcast. This is no. crime culture. Hey, that's Haley. Hello, I'm that's Caitlin. Caitlin. And this episode is on. Tell me, Ronnie Chasen. I don't. You def- know this don't one. Yeah, you definitely don't. You definitely <gasps> don't. You definitely don't. Okay, fine. Now I'm gonna know. <laughs> you know nothing, um, John Snow. Yeah. <laughs> So, Ronnie Sue Chasen was born Veronica Cohen to a Jewish family in Kingston, New York on October 17th, 1946. I've been there. You have? Yeah. Oh. I like Kingston. I love that. Love that for you. It it's, sounds royal. It sounds regal. Sounds it's good. It's fine. She didn't, she didn't live there, though. She was raised in the Riverdale neighborhood of the Bronx. Uh, no okay. word on if Jughead is there. And also the Washington Heights section of Manhattan, we know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like uh-huh. stomping grounds. And during her childhood, she won a series of yo-yo contests from the Duncan <laughs> Toys Company in Morningside Heights. Which okay. like, yeah, that like kind of put her on the with like performing. And she pursued other avenues in the entertainment industry. Um, she, But she apparently became... A, it, like becoming a publicist became a childhood dream of hers after she saw actors slash singers slash spouses Roy Rogers and Dale Evans at Madison Square Garden. And her brother, screenwriter and director Larry Cohen, later recalled in her encounter with the performers that Chasen shook hands with Evans and later told everybody she saw that she, quote, shook hands with the Queen of the West, end quote. Mm. Um, Chasen was also something of a queen herself because she was romantically involved with a number of wealthy Hollywood men throughout the years. Get it, girl. Get it, girl. 
mostly stayed single, no kids. She had a brief marriage in her 20s, but that was it. And she just played the damn field. And her brother told the New York Times that she didn't change her last name as a result of this marriage, but rather while trying to land a soap opera role in New York in the 1970s. He said, quote, Ronnie Sue Cohen isn't exactly a stage name, end Mm -hmm. quote, and that he didn't know whether her adopted last name came from Chasen's, an industry spot that was like really fancy in the early days of Hollywood that has since closed or what, but that that's why she is Ronnie Chasen instead of Ronnie Cohen. Okay. So after appearing on the soap opera Guiding Light and the Patty Duke show in the 1970s, she moved to L.A. to pursue acting and modeling. But then her career as a publicist began, meanwhile, while she was doing PR for the theater and then began working in film with her brother, who hired her as a publicist for his 1973 black exploitation film Hell Up in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And from there, it was off to the races. After she moved to L.A., she ended up heading publicity for Samuel Arkoff's American International Pictures from 1978 to 1980. Uh, she came up, her like kind of claim to fame was she came up with exploitation publicity stunts for example in 2000 she told variety quote for love at first bite we sent george hamilton to 12 cities where he appeared in his vampire outfit we had him pulling up in front of the plaza hotel in a horse-drawn hearse end quote okay on top of that from 1979 to 1989 she also headed the motion picture department of pr powerhouse rogers and cohen and she actually remained close to one of the co-founders warren cohen until his death in 2008 according to the la times film critic patrick goldstein um, who called chasen quote hollywood's ultimate old school publicist end quote she would reminisce about the early years of her career which included working with george burns on the 1970s film the sunshine boys mm. and coaching a young star named john travolta on how oh, to hey. handle i know how to handle his very first interview after he became a breakout star of the mid to late 1970s sitcom welcome back cotter oh imagine teaching john travolta how to be john travolta yeah right So she was, meanwhile, petite and always perky and known for having a poofy blonde blowout all the time. And she was known for her distinctive, fast-talking New York accent. And she made her mark for her PR work on films like the 1981 film On Golden Pond, which Mm -hmm. has just a ridiculous cast, like all-star cast. Um, And it was the second highest grossing film of that year and nominated for 10 Academy Awards, of which it won three Best Actor for Henry Fonda, Best Actress for Catherine Hepburn, and Best Screenplay Based on Material from Another Medium for Ernest Thompson. Damn. Um, Then she made her mark further with the 1989 film Driving Miss Daisy, for which she successfully directed its Oscar campaign, which resulted in its win of the Academy Award for Best Picture the following year. Mm Mm-hmm. And according to the New York Times, in March 1982, Chasen was actually written about and referenced under a fake name, which was Trixie, in this account written by journalist PJ Corky for Harper's Magazine about him working at an unnamed publicity firm. Like, not working, but like, the, 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 the gist of it was like, I got trapped at this publicity firm. Here's what a day in it is like. Okay. And Corkery wrote, quote, Trixie's life is her job. She is about 35 and has wrapped her entire existence in her work, end quote. He went on to describe Trixie's ferocity in pressing the phone company to give her a number she could, quote, love, end quote. It had to begin with the 2-7 number that indicated it was from Beverly Hills back then. Okay. And it had to be unlisted. Whoa. And yes. And he went on to describe at length how Trixie set herself up for a day around the pool at the Beverly Hills Hotel by persuading a client that a press interview could only be done in a client paid bungalow there. 
Ooh. Yeah, she was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's a fucking boss. Let's do it. Yeah. So while working as a partner at Rogers and Cohen, she was named the senior vice president for publicity at Metro Goldwyn Mayer Studios, Inc. in 1993. It's the one with the lion, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, A year later, she founded her own PR firm, the boutique firm Chasen and Company, which represented some well-known directors like Erwin Winkler, Mark Rydell and David Zucker, and through which she focused specifically also. I don't know what I'm saying here. Um. Uh, this isn't in my notes. I just, this is what happens when I de- deviate from the notes. Yes. Um, film composers, including Hans Zimmer. Ooh, okay. Danny Elfman. Oh, uh, know that one too. Elliot Goldenthal. Uh-huh. Carter Burwell. Uh, songwriter Diane Warren, who wrote You Haven't Seen the Last of Me that Cher sings in burlesque. Uh-huh. Um, she won the Oscar for it. And she dedicated her Oscar to Chasen. Whoa, um, okay. Her efforts on behalf of these clients helped to dramatically raise not only their profiles, but the profiles of of composers' contributions to film in general. Shit. She was also respected as a top award season strategist, having worked for award consideration for films like Crazy Heart, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Doubt, The Wrestler, There Will Be Blood, and Little Miss Sunshine. Damn. And she was a loyal supporter of many clients who had been with her for decades. They, they, many of them would just like be with her and stay with her. And if not, like they would usually just like still be on good terms with her, if not yeah. working with her professionally. Um, Laura Dunn, the former executive director of the Society of Composers and Lyricists, later said of Chasen, quote, she laid the groundwork for so many others on how to be a top publicist in the film music industry, representing top composers and songwriters. She was tenacious, a force of nature, working tirelessly for her composer clients, end quote. Yeah. So also a publicist and longtime friend of Chasen's, Vivian Meyer Siskind, who worked for Chasen at MGM slash UA and even had Chasen as the maid of honor at her wedding, Mm. said, quote, Ronnie was loved and respected by everyone. She was part of the fabric of an industry that meant everything to her. Her work was her playground. Ronnie loved every minute of what she did. And in return, her clients were equally dedicated to her, end quote. In fact, composer Elliot Goldenthal, who, like I said, he was one of the ones that had been working with her for ages. She had, he had been with her for 16 years at the time of her death, mm. said that in Ghent, th- there was this um, like mu- there's this there's this film composers. There's a music festival that film composers started or not okay. started, but they they did not play at Ghent. Hans Zimmer was one of the first ones, and it was because of Chasen. OK, um, he said that in Ghent, he was there. Quote, I remember going to bed and leaving her at three in the morning and I said, good night. And she said, good night. I'm just going to go up to my room and think about my clients. That's what I do when I go to sleep. End quote. It must be nice to like, like your job. Right. And she didn't just like it. She fucking <laughs> it loved was like it. Your whole, yeah. It's like, OK and, to make your job your whole life if you like actively want to be doing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And she not only like did she make it her life and she loved it, but the people who she worked with and for and all of that they loved her too yeah and that's the other thing like she likes doing her job like loves actually doing her job and her job is like helping boost other people it's not like some soul crushing thing like yes her job is actively helping people yes um so for example her brother larry cohen said quote ronnie was a loving and caring person who treated her clients like they were her own family end quote and I just looked him up real quick uh, because I know I recognize that name. I think he was the one that directed Alive, which is like the horror movie with like the baby that kills everybody. 
Oh, he, it really could be because he's he's known for like the the like not campy horror movies. Yeah, um, he he directed the stuff, the Return yeah. to Salem's Lot. It's it's alive. That's what it's it is. It's alive. Yeah, That's yes. what it was. Yeah. And he he also died recently too. He died in 2019. Did he really? He I really didn't did. Know that. Aww. He did. Um and it'll be even more sad in a minute unfortunately. Um, oh god. Yeah. Well, it is the this podcast. It's this so. this is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh she was he, he friends noted that she took a very protective and also maternal approach with her clients like so she wasn't a mother biologically but she was a mother to her clients yeah um and she was a shrewd judge of talent and acted as a mentor to a generation of publicists and other business executives including mayor siskind and she was among the last of a breed of old hollywood press agents who would politely but persistently refuse to take no for an answer she just kept Mm -hmm. on like she was like a barracuda and she often seemed to have the energy of a person half her age, but was surprisingly old fashioned in other ways. Like, for example, when she would be pushing to get a reporter interested in a, in a story pitch, she would often mail them stacks of research instead of sending things via email attachment. Like uh-huh. she would send hard copies. Uh, she was probably the last person in Hollywood to send emails via an assistant with, quote, DBNR, end quote, which means dictated but not read written at the bottom okay and she was just so old school in so many ways um new york-based publicist kathy berlin said quote someone asked me in a meeting with ronnie how long we'd known each other i said 35 years she pipes up 20 she was very private about her age she thought it could affect her work (laughs) that people wouldn't hire you end quote she also like had such a style like such a way like her hair was always done just so her her like everything her makeup was just so she always wore like white armani suits uh-huh um but even like with all of this like the this old school um b- these these tactics they were still effective yeah um the hollywood and palm springs film festivals among other events relied on her to coordinate talent as honorees and tying their appearances into the awards season so she worked all of this other stuff on top of her her job mm-hmm. and as the studios began transitioning from in-house teams to handle oscar and golden globe campaigns to like consultants she was one of the most in-demand ones um hannah pantel the head of pr for the performing rights organization bmi said quote she was the go-to person for all oscar and golden globe campaigns and really created a business for it chasen had this innate sense of what it took to get an award voter to get connected to your work as a songwriter and composer and get them to vote end quote Mm -hmm. and for as old school and pushy and brassy as she was known to be just not in her blonde um she also had a huge heart she like i said she would dream about think about her clients at night um she also developed a reputation for requesting doggy bags at fancy hollywood events which Mm -hmm. mayor uh siskind said quote people would call her chintzy or silly but she was misunderstood she wasn't eating it she was bringing it to her mother who lived up the street and whom she'd visit at the end of the night to tell her about what happened she wanted her mother to experience the evening with her yeah exactly and like get to experience all these fancy dinner parties and everything like that yeah and she remained really sweet yeah she remained close and and remained having her mother involved because again also remember she lives in in new york she lives in beverly hills her mom lives in new york so she moved her mom out to like she lives up the street from her like and and her mother did die in 2000 but she remained close to her up until she died Mm -hmm. and speaking of um up until she died 
So at the time of her own death, Chasen had been really looking forward to the summer of 2011. She had finally had this hip replacement surgery that she'd been really anxious about. She'd been delaying it for years. And finally, like her friends talked her into getting it. She would feel so much better. And she did. And she managed to get a an apartment in Paris on the left bank for two months that summer with the plan being that friends would come and stay with her over a period of a few weeks at a time. So she would always be there, but her friends would kind of all come out and visit and enjoy this with her. That's cool. Yeah. And she was working also in in terms of her career, because like you said, it was her life. She was working with her close friends, producers, Lily Feeney, Lily Feeney Zanuck and her husband, Richard D. Zanuck, both of whom she worked with on their film Driving Miss Daisy on um, like that won the Oscar. Uh She was working with them on the Oscar nomination campaign of the 2010 film Alice in Wonderland, which won two of the three Academy Awards for which it was nominated Best Art Direction and Best Costume Design, as well as the nomination campaign for Cher in Burlesque and Michael Douglas in the second film in Oliver Stone's Wall Street movie franchise, Wall Street 2 Money Never Sleeps. Mm hmm. And though Cher and Douglas were not nominated for Academy Awards, Douglas did earn a Golden Globe nomination. And in total, at the time of her death, her clients had gotten at least 150 nominations. Seven had won Best Picture, and that included a three-peat between 2008 and 2010 with No Country for Old Men, Slumdog Millionaire, and The Hurt Locker. Damn. All of that is her. Yeah. So now we get into the tough The bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was We've common. got the good. Now we're at the bad. And then we'll be the ugly. Mm. So about a month after her 64th birthday on November 16th, 2010, Chasen was believed to be on her way home from an after party at the W Hollywood Hotel for the premiere of Burlesque. Um, it was a project that many of her clients had been involved in. And Chasen represented the producer, Donald DeLine, the lighting designer, Peggy Eisenhower. And like I mentioned before, Warren, the songwriter whose tune You Haven't Seen the Last of Me is sung by Cher. Yeah. So Warren told The Hollywood Reporter days later, quote, me and Ronnie were so excited. It was just the funnest night, end quote, with DeLine adding, quote, she was being her usual mother hen self. She was it was so not anything out of the ordinary, just like a hundred other nights. She was loving it, end quote. Mm. So at about twelve thirty AM, um, they believe she came to a stop at a stoplight at the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Whittier Drive in a quiet stretch of Beverly Hills, California, a residential street where homes cost as much as twenty five million dollars. Whoa. Yes. So it's a rich neighborhood. Yeah. Um, to say the least. <laughs> um She was shot multiple times in the chest. Uh, Homicide detectives suspected that she was in the left turn lane at this red light when someone drove up beside her and fired four shots through her passenger side window. Um, Her black 2010 Mercedes-Benz E350 coupe then glided about a quarter of a mile down Whittier Drive before crashing into a concrete light pole, knocking over the pole and crushing the front right end of the car and deploying the driver's side airbag. Jesus. A couple driving by found her within minutes, followed by Beverly Hills Police Department patrol officers who had been alerted not by the couple, but the sound of gunfire by neighbors. They called 911. Yeah. And witnesses found her slumped over the steering wheel with a trigger warning. Um, It's going to get gory. Okay. Um, She had blood dripping from her nose. A gurgling sound was emanating from her mouth and her eyes were wide open, but not blinking. Uh, crime scene photos later released by the Beverly Hills Police Department showed that Chasen's shoes, which were satin leopard pink, leopard print kitten heel Manalo Blahnik pumps, 
remained by the gas pedal. Her Prada purse was on the passenger seat amid shards of glass and nail polish bottles. And paperwork for, you know, like her work was scattered all over the floor of the car. And after authorities were unable to find a pulse, Beverly Hills Fire Department paramedics took Chase into Cedars Sinai Medical Center, where doctors attempted to revive her, but she was pronounced dead at eleven one twelve a.m., less than an hour after the attack. Wow. Yeah. And as news of Chasen's death spread through Hollywood, those who knew her expressed shock and dismay, not just that her light had burned out so quickly and so suddenly, but that it was such a violent end yeah. to her life, who... She was such a force of nature, and she worked so tirelessly to advocate for her clients. Yeah, uh, it didn't seem like she had really any enemies. Like, no. we didn't talk about any, like, anybody she slighted. She's, what, a right. 64-year-old woman? Like, yeah. what, what? Single, what, like, like you know for, what I mean? For what reason, all of this? Exactly. Uh, Zimmer said in a statement, quote, I'm profoundly sad and devastated, or, or I'm profoundly sad, devastated, mad, incredulous, and lonely. If you hear knocking, I, my neighbors just keep hanging up stuff. I don't know why. Whatever. Um, I'm gonna start that quote again, <laughs> but I know that I'm keeping this in because I know that there will be more knocking. Um, cool. So Zimmer said, quote, I'm profoundly sad, devastated, mad, incredulous, and lonely. She was radiant. She knew everyone in the room. She took Chris Nolan over to the next table and introduced him to George Lucas. I was watching her standing there listening to them, and I thought, there's my friend Ronnie introducing two great directors to each other. She's on top of her game, end quote. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, And that, that that moment was, obviously, he recalled it from the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences Governor's Award Ceremony. Mm-hmm. But um, Danielle Hynix, H-E-Y-N-I-C-K-X, she was a coordinator for the Ghent Film Festival, which, like I said, it annually spotlights film composers. Mm-hmm. She credited Chasen for putting it the festival and its World Soundtrack Awards on the map, saying, quote, what we're doing now with film music, it's Ronnie who made the contacts and had her crazy way of dealing with things, and she brought everybody to Ghent. She knew not only the Oscar winners, but knew who the young talents were that we should pay attention to, end quote. So in the days following her attack, a frenzy of speculation broke out. Rumors spread of dark links to gambling debts, art deals. Ronnie loved art, uh, shady film financing. And three days after the shooting, the mayor of Beverly Hills publicly floated the theory that Chasen had been shot from another vehicle. But as the investigation continued, the initial theory shared by police in the coroner's report changed. Hmm. Even even former LAPD chief William Bratton, who at the time was working private security, he got into the guessing game, speculating to CBS News that it was, quote, a crime of passion, somebody who knew her. They have not determined to the best of my knowledge as to whether there was possibly somebody else in the car, end quote. Weird. Yeah. So a funeral service was held for Chasen at 11 a.m. on Sunday, November 21st, 2010, at Hillside Memorial Park, a Jewish cemetery in Culver City filled with Hollywood elite like Leonard Nimoy, Aaron Spelling, and Milton Berle, uh, Suzanne Plachette. Um, And the ceremony was attended by upwards of a thousand people. Oh, yeah. Including Buzz Aldrin. Whoa. Astronaut Buzz Aldrin. Yes. Yeah. According to the San Diego Union Tribune, quote, some 400 to 500 people filled the large chapel in this Los Angeles suburb's sprawling Hillside Memorial Park to honor the memory of veteran publicist Ronnie Chasen. At least that many more gathered on a chilly, windswept patio outside, end quote. Hmm. In their eulogies, uh, Larry Cohen 
um, Jason's brother reminisced about his childhood with his sister. And Mayor Siskind recalled a recent dream in which Jason appeared to her, quote, pissed as hell, end quote, declaring, quote, now you get me a free Armani suit outfit, <laughs> outfit, my mistake, end quote. Um, and in her will, which had been written in 1994 and friends had said that she may have been rewriting it, Ooh. but that's it. Uh, she asked that in announcing her death, quote, Warren Cohen write the release to the trades and that no mention be made of my age, end quote, which like, LOL. But also, yeah, that that's how old this was. Cohen had died two years before she did. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the time in, in the will, it said that she was worth about six million dollars, according Probably to TMZ. More than that. She, well, that's what her friend said, because when her mother died, her mother left her money and she had put it into stock options and all kinds of other stuff and grew that that yeah, lump she's sum. She's a very smart businesswoman. So, yes. yeah. Yes. Uh, she also asked that her ex, John Williams, uh, mm. you know, that John Williams. Yeah. Um, write, quote, write a piece of music, end quote, for her funeral service, if possible. Um, he did not, but it's also not known whether or not he had been aware of this request. Okay. Um, and at the time of her death, Chasen's estate was worth 6.1 million. Whoa. But that's what she estimated in her will once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people were like, nah, I think she was worth more. Yeah. Nearly all of the money that was in her estate after taxes and legal fees, including gifts to charities like the American Film Institute, Paul Newman's Hole in the Wall Gang, and the Gilda Radner Hereditary Cancer Program. All of it went to her niece, Melissa Cohen, who oh. was one of her favorites, uh, Larry Larry's daughter. Yeah. And then she specifically shorted Melissa's sister, her other cousin, saying, quote, I have intentionally and with full knowledge of the consequences omitted to provide for my niece except for the gift of $10, end quote. <gasps> shit what did yeah, she so, do i don't know i don't know but let me tell you i was i was a little sussy uh, um and spoiler alert like i don't know i, I couldn't find anything interesting so your okay. guess is as good as mine but the case stretched from days to weeks as investigators interviewed witnesses that included friends and associates of chasen uh they served search warrants at her home and workplace and reviewed thousands of financial documents belonging to her recovered video and closed circuit tv footage cctv um like uh, and conducted interviews with family and friends and professional contacts and others and harold matzner chairman of the palm springs film festival and a longtime client of chasen's announced a one hundred thousand dollar reward for any information regarding her murder whoa i know and a potential break in the case came finally three days after chasen's death was reported on season 24 episode 8 of the tv show america's most wanted Mm. Um, which aired on November 20th, 2010, as the first of what would be two episodes covering the murder. They covered her again a couple of weeks later. Um, and a man called in and told an operator that someone he knew was claiming to be involved in the shooting. Okay. Soon after, Hollywood journalist Allison Hope Weiner, Weiner, I'm not positive, said in an email to Deadline, quote, a police source close to the investigation into the murder of Ronnie Chasen says that police have a fairly good idea as to who employed a Hollywood hitman to shoot the longtime publicist. Although the alleged hitman himself, uh, although the alleged hitman killed himself last night before police could take him into custody, authorities are still making progress in their investigation of Chasen's murder. Several sources confirm that police have a working theory that Chasen's murder was a related was related to a business deal gone bad. End quote. Okay. So. Let's get into this tipster first, and then we'll get into this Hollywood hitman. So the Hollywood reporter later identified him as Laramie Bexay. Bec okay. Bequet? Bequet. 
excuse me, um, who he was a disabled punk musician living on government assistance who lived a few doors down from a man named Harold Smith on the third floor of a Hollywood transient hotel called the Harvey Apartments. Okay. Um, Bakay came forward to the Hollywood Porter in 2016 because, quote, after six years, I've felt forgotten and I want credit. Due to my assistance, the Ronnie Chasen case was solved and closed, end quote. Hmm. He said the Harvey was a place where, quote, everybody was in their own world, often on drugs. Some people had schizophrenia. There were actors and writers and musicians, along with families of five in 140 square foot units, end quote. However, quote, nobody had a problem with Harold, end quote, who Bacay called, quote, one of the politest, most sensitive individuals, end quote, in the building, saying, quote, I never saw him do a drug, smoke, even drink coffee. I never heard him swear. Even, mm. uh, yeah, I never heard him swear, end quote. So the two weren't that close. Um, they did share some some like government assistance benefits for, like to do with food sometimes. Okay. But Smith would mention how difficult mentioned to Bacay how difficult it was finding employment as a two strike felon. He had been convicted of purse, purse snatching in 1998 and then went to jail for a longer period for a separate robbery during which the female victim resisted and he broke her jaw. Oh, God. Yes. So Bacay said, quote, Harold would speak of not having money, not having a job, not being able to pay his rent. He was always talking about suicide, end quote. Hmm. And he said that he contacted America's Most Wanted after growing suspicious of Smith, who he says was evicted from the Harvey six days after the murder for failure to pay this to pay his rent. After holding on to a couple boxes and a duffel bag for Smith, Bacay said that 90 minutes after the murder, Smith knocked on his door, quote, he goes, have the police been here? Has there been anything on TV? He goes, we, have, we, have, we haven't we have had this conversation. The next morning at 11 a.m., he's knocking on my door saying, do you have a dollar that I can borrow? He says, I need to go get my bicycle. I say, where is it? He says, it's in Beverly Hills. I was at a loss for words. I knew what this was, end quote. So he's saying that what, what Bakay is saying is that Smith went to him the night of the murder and was like, has anybody been talking about this on TV? And then like later that day mm -hmm. that he was like, like, I need to go get my bike. It's in Beverly Hills. So Ronnie Chasen was killed in the early hours of the morning. He, the timeline that Bacay is bringing forth is that Smith may have killed Ronnie allegedly mm -hmm. went back, asked if there was anything to his apartments that aren't his, but asked if there was any news on TV. Bacay was like, yeah and smith was like we haven't had this conversation and then the next morning or not the next morning but later in when when it's daylight out yeah. he goes and he's like i need to go get my bicycle uh-huh so it sounds like a little too obvious yeah um but what do you call it um mckay told the hollywood reporter that he took two weeks waited two weeks to call the tip line because quote he had two strikes and was african-american we didn't speak about the murder he became super paranoid he was losing it he said if i'm not back by thursday take my things because i'll be resting in peace this was a week after the murder end quote okay. so yeah these are some pretty obviously like big serious allegations yeah um but now we're gonna enter ryan katzenbach into the mix who okay. he's an independent documentary filmmaker who questions whether or not Bacay is an, a reliable narrator. For example, Katzenbach, who has followed the case closely and questions the police investigation and conclusion that Smith was the trigger man, spoiler alert, as he has said in interviews, it's not necessarily that he thinks Smith isn't guilty, 
or is guilty, but it's more that there isn't enough to go on to prove that Smith is guilty. Okay. Um, Katzenbach noted that it would have been impossible for Bekay to have seen reports of Chasen's murder on TV immediately after speaking with Smith, as Bekay claims, because she wasn't identified as the victim until well after sunrise on November 16th. Okay. So on the evening of December 2nd, 2010, this this we're going to talk about Smith. Police officers investigating Chasen's murder tried to speak with 43 year old Harold Martin Smith. Like I said, he's a poor black man with a criminal record. Detectives find him at the Harvey. He is I I can imagine he that would put him on edge. Um, and he had been under police surveillance in connection with the case based off this tip from Bekay. And according to his autopsy report, because spoiler alert, um, he pulled out a stainless steel .38 caliber Smith & Wesson Model 67 revolver in his right hand. This was later determined to have been reported stolen three years prior by a retired LAPD officer from his home Uh-oh. in in yep in Santa Clarita. And he pulls this gun out when he's approached by police at about 5.30 p.m. And after about 6 p.m., Smith allegedly shot himself in the head with the bullet going into his right temple and out the upper left side of his head, ricocheting off a row of metal mailboxes and then finally falling on the linoleum floor several feet from his mountain bike. Jesus. Yeah. No suicide note was found. The only documents retrieved from his body indicated he may have been looking for work and housing because, according to crime scene photos, he was carrying a flyer advertising $100 a week lodging, quote, conveniently located in Hollywood close to bus lines, end quote, and a folded paper with numbers indicating a job coach in Pasadena, warehouse labor in West L.A., and a forklift operating business in Santa Fe Springs. Mm -hmm. He was pronounced dead at the scene of a, quote, self-inflicted, end quote, gunshot wound. And the incident immediately kickstarted a new round of speculation that Chasen had been killed in connection with a business deal gone bad or refusing to pay a debt for a friend or a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, but friends have said that there is that there was no such deal. Um, one told The New York Times, quote, uh, if that if well, she told The New York Times that if Chasen had been pressed for money, basically, Quote, I could see her being tough about the money, end quote. But that was it. Yeah. Regarding whether or not Smith's suicide concluded the BHPD's investigation, a detective said, quote, it's not over yet. Hmm. Oh, however, on December 8th, 2010, the BHPD held a conference, like a press conference in front of its headquarters, during which then police chief David Snowden announced that they had received a preliminary ballistics result from the L.A. Sheriff's County department firearms section crime lab that was a mouthful um (laughs) which indicated a match between smith's weapon and the one used to murder chasen so Mm. that that this was the same type of weapon okay they said that they expected they were expecting to receive a quote complete match end quote within two weeks and that while the investigation was still ongoing in that same press conference the detective overseeing the case michael publicker said that the investigation was about 60 to 70 percent complete Mm -hmm. snowden said quote we believe that mr smith acted alone end quote however case documents later revealed that at the time the bhpd had not yet reviewed chasen's bank statements her hard drive her cell phone records like this wasn't this wasn't even 60 to 70 percent complete 
Okay. And when Snowden announced these preliminary results, there was some understandable skepticism from the reporters present that the shooting could have just been a random attack. They were like, ah, we don't know about this. Yeah. And they kept asking questions, but the department doubled down, saying the investigation quote, reviewed in excess of 150,000 emails and texts belonging to the victim and investigated thousands of tips received on the police department's hotline, end quote, and that, quote, through the interviews and the information we received, it leaves us to believe that Smith was at a desperate point in his life and was reaching out and doing desperate measures. We do not believe he was a paid hitman, end quote. Hmm. Snowden eventually just shut down the conference saying, quote, we've answered all of the questions we can. The purpose the, the purpose of this was to tell you it was a match. Again, the firearm that was used to commit suicide in Harold Martin Smith was the same firearm that was used to kill Ronnie Chasen, end quote. Yeah. So that's pretty big. It is. But then they learned to, like, make it less of an opportunity to ask questions because eight months after the murder on July 15th, 2011, the BHPD announced it had closed the case and issued a news release indicating it had, quote, completed the exhaustive investigation, end quote, and insisted it was a random attack carried out solely by Smith in a botched attempt to rob Chasen while on his bicycle, stating, quote, without a doubt, it is the conclusion of robbery homicide detectives that the sole perpetrator of this most heinous crime was Harold Martin Smith, end quote. Hmm. But here's the thing. The BHPD, first of all, it rarely handled homicide cases, and those it did handle were pretty, like, cut and dry. Yeah. Um, they had no real proof. Police said that they found no indication that he had entered her car. In fact, according to Gary Baum of The Hollywood Reporter, there was no hard evidence placing Smith at the scene or otherwise associating him with Chasen at all. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Officials said Smith was subsequently linked to Chasen's murder after ballistics tests showed the handgun that he used to shoot himself was the same type of weapon used to kill Chasen. However, the circumstantial evidence authorities found in their limited investigation, which barely canvassed for witnesses, let alone other suspects, mm-hmm. was never tested in court. They never had to bring it before a, a, a jury. None of it. Prosecutor, none of it. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, retired LAPD homicide detective T.T. Williams Jr., who frequently serves as an expert witness in police procedure during cases. Okay. He questioned the apparent absence of video footage, quote, memorializing, end quote, Smith near the crime scene, saying, quote, there has to be some security cameras in that neighborhood that would have caught him. I mean, Beverly Hills, give me a break. You have a black man supposedly on a bike in the middle of the night. He'd be stopped 15 times. He would have stood out like a sore thumb, end quote. And for what it's worth, in 2021, the BHPD was sued for disproportionately arresting black pedestrians the previous year following the George Floyd protests. Meanwhile, yeah. yeah. No, but like that there is a history of this. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, Snowden retired as BHPD chief in June 2015 amidst a scandal in which he'd been outed for entering into a financial agreement with a private security contractor hired by the Beverly Hills Unified School District. So he was basically kind of forced into retirement under punishment because of a scandal. So he's not necessarily reliable. And his successor, Sandra Spagnoli, She retired in 2020 after facing a series of lawsuits, including allegations of racist remarks, which prompted the city of Beverly Hills to pay out millions. Yeah. So there's a track record here. Yeah. I mean, when we talked about the murder of um, uh, Biggie Mm -hmm. in L.A. and all the stuff that was like so very clearly overlooked or swept under the rug that would implicate, um, I think there was like some 
law enforcement officer that um, could have been uh, the perpetrator of the crime. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're going to try to sweep that shit under the rug as desperately as possible. Yeah. And in this case, it just seems like, oh, well, we can make this guy work. So let's just do that so we can close the case. Dead men tell no tales. Exactly. And speaking of, there were also unanswered unanswered questions about Smith's death. BHPD detectives claimed they were unable to apprehend him before he committed suicide in front of them. But according to this article that Baum wrote for The Hollywood Reporter in 2016, they released very little substantive information about, information about the event, despite there being years-long efforts. Yeah. Um, Katzenbach requested a copy, for example, of the lobby of the harvey's security camera system because smith's death this happened in the lobby so it was likely captured on film yeah it was never given to him and he nor anybody else has ever seen it all right and even chasen's brother larry cohen said that he didn't believe smith had anything to do with his sister's murder telling the new york times in 2010 quote this guy was a deranged person who just made that up no way he was involved i still think this was most likely a case of road rage end quote yeah i mean yeah it's it, it's it doesn't seem as- like yeah it doesn't seem like anyone has something truly against this one woman that they would like go after her for something. Well, and even if even if they did, like there is nothing that's like us for not to be not to be crude, but there's no like smoking gun with Smith. There's yeah. nothing that says he absolutely did it. All of this is like very circumstantial. Whether very he did much. or not, it like it's not so much about that. It's about the the T's are not crossed, the I's are not dotted. The gym, the time to go to the gym is not now. Um, I mean, there's my phone tried to tell me there's more evidence against OJ. Yeah. Than I think in this. Yeah. In this case. So Bakay also told his side of the story on camera to Katzenbach in 2013 under the condition that he remain anonymous with his face being shadowed out and his voice altered. However, this collaboration with Katzenbach went south after he learned one of the people financing this project was Matzner who, when Bacay came forward as a tipster, he did not, he declined to pay him the reward money, saying the case was still unsolved. And Bacay mm-hmm. was like, give me my money. So a subsequent lawsuit led to a settlement in which Bacay received an undisclosed partial payment for the $100,000 um, reward, Yeah, which he used to purchase a limited edition 2011 bright green manual transmission Camaro. Yeah, and that's, that's real subtle. Yeah, and Bacay later told the Hollywood Reporter, you're going to love this, quote, I had to use the money within a year or else I'd lose my disability and supplemental benefits. I see a psychiatrist to this day. Tipping isn't making one phone call and getting money. Every day, I think, I'm getting into my car because a lovely lady died. I have PTSD mm. from this case. L.A. combat, not war combat, end quote. Yeah, it sounds like you're really suffering getting into your fucking stupid car. Which, again, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, it's a limited edition, like. I'm sure it's it, so it's, limited. It's No, no, limited edition is not cheap. Like, yeah, come on. But so Matzner, he does not believe that the case of his friend's murder should have been closed. He told no, the Hollywood Reporter that he like encouraged it. this lawsuit that Bacay, um filed because 
He specifically wanted to force the BHPD to open up its investigative records through the discovery process for the trial, saying, quote, I just felt there was never enough definitive evidence that this crime has been solved, end quote. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And Feeney Zanuck told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, I don't think any of us know what happened. That she was in pain in her final moments is more than I can handle. It breaks my heart. End yeah. quote. Nevertheless, according to the L.A. Times, the BHPD released a statement on December 13th, 2013, saying it was, quote, proud, end quote, of its investigation and mm. that it stood by its final conclusion in the case, saying, quote, the police department has always been sensitive and protective as to the privacy and feelings of the Chasen family and others who have been victims of such a tragedy. We have great respect for the friends and family of Chasen. We are hopeful that others will continue to respect their privacy, end quote. So not only are they proud of themselves, giving them a little pat on the back and saying this case has been closed and we did everything that we could, but they're yeah. also like, oh, and don't talk to her family and friends. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, because they're yeah. all questioning this. Exactly. So in 2014, this is, again, more than three years after Chasen was murdered in Beverly Hills, the L.A. County Coroner's Office finally released the autopsy in her case, which found that two bullets hit her chest without causing immediate catastrophic damage. Then another hit her right upper arm and a fourth, which was the most rapidly fatal, entered through her right shoulder and hit her heart. However, it's good to note that there were no shell casings, live rounds, or weapons recovered at the intersection. Beverly Hills police said, and again, no shell casings, live rounds, or weapons. So how do they know that this gun was the exact same gun that was used to kill Chasen, that that Smith used to kill himself? That's so weird. So Beverly Hills police said that detectives requested that the coroner's file remain private up until this time out of respect for Chasen's family. But the report was released as part of a settlement awarded to Katzenbach after he sued Los Angeles County for access to the report. Craig Harvey, an official with the coroner's office, said in an email to the L.A. Times, quote, based on the circumstances, the coroner felt that no legitimate reason remained to, re- to maintain the security hold. So the hold was lifted and the document released, end quote. So the document first, Katzenbach has to sue for this. Uh huh. Only because he sued is it being released. But then the coroner's or yeah, the coroner's office is saying like, oh, no, like we felt that it didn't need to be held under tight security anymore. We were holding it under tight security to protect the family. And we don't think that's a need. Like it's all it's all none of it makes sense. Maybe I'm dumb, but this isn't making sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. What's more? In May 2017, the Beverly Hills Police Department released 200 pages of documents highlighting the details of the circumstantial case against Smith and also listing other persons of interest and the limited scope of the investigation. Here's the thing, though. In 2015, so prior to the publication of Baum's article, Katzenbach filed a suit, a civil suit against the Beverly Hills Police Department to retrieve these exact documents, but was denied. He was not successful. Okay. Reacting to the news that the report had now been released, Katzenbach told Palm Springs TV station KESQ in 2017, quote, while I still have concerns about possible deficiencies in the Chasen investigation, based on documents turned over by Beverly Hills Police Department, I am pleased with the new transparency and spirit of cooperation, end quote. He went on to say that as he moved forward with his film on Jason's murder, which is titled 638, like 6 colon 38, The Death mm-hmm. of Ronnie Chasen, he will continue to pursue various avenues avenues in his own independent investigation. As of the release of this 2017 report, not as of this report in 2017. Yeah. There is no known evidence placing Smith at the scene. Nothing backs up the presumed motive of robbery. Nothing confirms that the killer didn't have help, that it was just one person. 
Yeah. Ballistics don't even prove Smith was the one who shot Chasen. According mm. to the Hollywood Reporter, in the released files, there was no definite ballistics match like the BHPD had implied. There was just an inconclusive report that states the, quote, fired bullet jacket could have been from, end quote, Smith's gun. Quote, as they exhibit similar general rifling characteristics and some agreement of individual characters, but are insufficient for an identification, end quote. So they literally straight up, they made it seem like they had all of this evidence and they did not. Yeah. And it says that this uh, this bullet could have been from this model of gun. Yeah. That's not enough evidence to like fucking try to ruin someone's life over. No. Uh, Chris Hopkins, director of the forensic science graduate program at UC Davis, told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, there are a lot of unanswered questions. Some decisions, such as not fully fingerprinting the vehicle, were inexplicable, end quote. Yeah. The Hollywood Reporter also did reach out to the Beverly Hills Police Department, which declined to answer any questions about fingerprinting or any other collection of evidence. Hmm. Merle, M-Y-R-L, Stebbins, he's a California-based... Police Insti- police Science Institute instructor. I can talk, I promise. He's a former investigator with 45 years of homicide experience. He specializes in crime scene processing. He told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, this was not a very well investigated homicide, and it's easiest to point a finger at the most vulnerable people in town, end quote. Yeah. And after closely examining the case documents, he wondered why the BHPD had been so sloppy in his in their investigation, saying, quote, this is a fucking homicide, guys. This isn't a little shoplifting. This has to have your all your of your undivided attention, end quote. Yeah. So we've got experts also saying not enough has been done here. Yeah. And so Berlin told Baum, like, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, Chasen's friend. Um, yeah and slash publicist kathy berlin not her publicist but you know who i mean yeah so berlin told baum quote ronnie would have pushed for details she would have she wouldn't have let it go so easily if this has ha- had happened to anyone else she would have been outraged and wouldn't have stopped she would have called then governor arnold schwarzenegger and asked why aren't you doing anything end quote yeah zan finney zanuck also told baum quote nobody asked any hard questions she'd be surprised that there hasn't been more curiosity she spent her life supporting a community of imagination, and there has been little imagination here, end quote. In mm. fact, many of Chasen's agree with this sentiment. Her close friend, Candy Clark, an Academy Award winning actress who won the award for, um, oh gracious, it, it had Ron Howard in it, um, American Graffiti. Okay. She told Baum, quote, Ronnie would want justice, end yeah. quote. And Ronnie deserves justice. Um, so if you have any information about ronnie chasen's murder i guess contact ryan katzenbach because or or gary baum at the hollywood reporter like because again the bhpd closed this case yeah it is very clearly not over um but i'm tired of people who their entire job is doing one thing and they'll fuck it up yep Yep. Like your whole job uh-huh. is to investigate this and figure out what happened. And you cut corners at every single fucking turn. Yeah. And just pointed a finger and waste time with somebody who was probably not involved. And and not even probably. I'm even willing to go possibly not involved. Yeah. Like it doesn't even have to be a definite. Yeah, this dude was involved. However, they did like 
no follow-up. They didn't like, they, they, it, it was just so bass backwards. Nobody, this wasn't, this is amateur shit. And some people did imply that part of that was because Beverly Hills is generally like very small. There aren't a lot yeah, of murders. So this doesn't, yeah, this doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So they may not have been equipped. However, they were too proud to go to, for example, the LAPD and ask for help. They were like, yeah. we're going to handle this on our own. And but like we've, it's, it's like a miscarriage we've of justice. Like we've explained, the LAPD is also not like... Oh, absolutely. The but, best. But they have the resources. Exactly. And they have the experts that can back this shit up. That happened a lot in like earlier um, like serial killer cases that we would talk about. That it's like, well, they got away with it for so long because none of these departments or none of these people talk to each other. And one department always wanted to be the one that like actually caught the guy so they mm -hmm. wouldn't share their information with anybody else. Like, yeah, you're not like you just are doing this for the glory, not for actually helping mm -hmm. the people involved. Like, that's Absolutely. fucking bullshit. Yeah, it is. It is. It shouldn't matter who ultimately gets the who ultimately gets the guy. It's mm -hmm. just that it was gotten. Yeah, the guy needs to be gotten. The yeah. the the metaphorical guy. It could be yeah. it could be a woman. It could be a non-binary person. It yeah, could be anybody. Literally we don't no, know. Yeah, there's literally not enough information and not enough was done to figure out who it could be. Right. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's especially for bullshit. a woman that seemed like so beloved and like yeah. only and, ever did good <laughs> and now forgotten. Yeah. And and that's the big thing for me too is that like one of the people who was interviewed, I forget who, I didn't include this. She was like our fr like friends of mine, like random people will be like, "Oh, whatever happened with that?" Like, did they ever find who did it? And she's like, "No." Yeah. Like, we're still trying to get answers. Again, Ronnie Chasen has been dead for over a decade. Yeah. And the 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 best that the BHPD can come up with is that this man who committed suicide, he did yeah. it. Yeah. And there's, like, literally, like, there's no way to find out They from didn't get him. a confession. They, yeah, didn't, they get didn't get anything. anything. They're just like, oh, yeah. And also, I'm sorry, this, this guy is on a bicycle and this woman is at a um, stoplight in a car. So you can't tell me and it's it, that she couldn't like that she wouldn't. Somebody holds you up and you, they're on a bicycle and you're in a car. You're not going to try to drive away. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any fucking No, sense. it doesn't make any sense. Like none of it makes sense. <sighs> I hate these. I, yeah, why do you sorry. do unsolved ones? Yeah, I'm sorry. You do a ton. Don't don't come for me with that. You do a lot of unsolved ones too. <laughs> my, I'm trying to think. My next one's solved. All right. I, I I would have loved if you if you got it wrong and you were like, oh no, it's not. Um, no, and my last one was solved too. So most of mine are solved. Go fuck yourself. All right. Well, <laughs> tell them what they won, Hale. Because like I'm just uh, I'm so fucking. I know. I hate it. Um, you can rant about this on our discord yes um you can join our discord just you got to dm us on any of our social medias we're on facebook instagram twitter um uh yeah go to that dm us and we will send you the link to our discord it is a lovely community hmm. and um we talk about fun stuff and share pictures of our cats and recommend cool things to each other um 
And you can do that. Again, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go follow us there. Our website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. We also have an email that you can send stuff to. It's crimeculturepod at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon that you can join for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want, and you can support us because uh, this podcast is free for you to listen to, but not for us to make. True. So you can help us out there, and there's different rewards at each level, so have fun with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, is this the last step? No. No, this is obviously not. not the last episode. This no, is second, we've got second one more until the end of the month. I think so. Yes, yes, yes. yes. This is it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we got one more until the end of the month. So it's almost the new year, guys. Ah, ah. thank God. Um, but this is coming out before Christmas. So if you celebrate, Merry Christmas. Yeah, and and also Hanukkah. I think my time is all messed up because we're recording this early, but I believe Hanukkah either just ended or is almost over. Um, So happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa's coming up. Winter holiday uh, you want to celebrate. Yes, yes. If whatever it is, or maybe you're just not celebrating, that's cool too. You don't, nobody runs your life. Celebrate having some days off work, hopefully. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. I only get one day, which is boring but whatever that's yeah that's lame <sighs> it's all right i'm taking all of my vacation days mm-hmm. next year because it's what you deserve fuck everything yeah that's the motto 2023 fuck everything what was this yep. what was this year's motto don't yuck someone else's yum yeah i mean next we're gonna continue everything. that yeah fuck everything but yeah. also we're gonna continue don't yucking anyone's yum into yeah next year because obviously. i agree uh do you have a palate cleanser before we leave oh i forgot we were doing palate cleansers um and you picked a ripper of a day um just Let something me... for people to enjoy as they fade off of this podcast. Um, for those who like to read, I'm in a book club and we've been reading Agatha Christie's. I'm trying to see if I can see the title here. Hang on. And then there were none? No, it's Midwinter Murder. It's a collection of Ooh. short stories that are very like seasonally like spooky. Not spooky, but like for those who don't know Agatha Christie, she's also one of the most prolific writers. Um, she's outsold pretty much everybody except for like the Bible. Yeah. and Shakespeare um but she it's a collection of short stories that she's written and they're all like fireside wintry like Ooh. and and so it's Agatha Christie's Midwinter Murders and I uh, I highly recommend I am tearing through it love it okay so cool. yeah palate cleanser that sort of thing yes all a right. palate cleanser for sure it's very it's very especially if you imagine like Maggie Smith or Angela Lansbury, rest in peace, being the narrator of these stories. It's even better. Yeah. I like um, that. But right. yeah, highly recommend. All right. And with that, we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye.